This is the Road Trekking Podcast with your host, Jimmy James. It's a show about my trip from Ontario to British Columbia and back in a vintage 92 camper van, and I invite you to come along for the ride. Welcome to episode four, my conversation with Don, owner of the ranch and gracious host. He was kind enough to put me up for a few days and we had a great conversation about local wildlife, the water levels, the local town, and also life in the northwestern part of the province. If you are a quacking noise in the background it's because don's a businessman he's kind of got a sense of humor Uh, he says he's not really actively involved anymore but it's clear that he is and he does need to attend to it from time to time so please ignore that and i hope you enjoy our conversation okay i'm here with don at his house on the shores of uh, beautiful muriel lake and uh, don was kind enough to let me stay here for a couple of nights Don, I don't know if you if you want to start and just sort of introduce yourself and talk about how long you've lived up here. Sure. I was actually born and raised in northwestern Ontario, a little town called Atacokan. And now I've managed to be able to come back to Kenora in 1988 and open a business here. And I've lived on the lake for 27 years now. Love every minute of it. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. <laughs> so, so you were actually born in Atacokan. I was born and raised there. Now, isn't there's a big generating station up there? Isn't there's, there? Hydro One has one there. Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, you live on the lake, and now you you host campers. You run a business. I do. Um, it's it's a busy lifestyle. The last few years, I haven't uh, been too involved with the business. I still own it, but. Uh, I've been a little bit removed from it and trying to enjoy life a little more. And uh, the wife and I have been 30-year RVers, so we're trying to pick up and take off more and enjoy traveling. So I'm interested in that. Um, you said you've owned like a lot of different RVs, mm. stuff like that. Now, your most recent one, I know that <laughs> this is a sad story. <laughs> it is. I should be laugh. <laughs> yeah, but you got to laugh about it. I have to. Otherwise, I'd sit in a corner and cry. And <laughs> so it was how many feet long? 44 foot long, 2021 Solitude Grand Design, Solitude 390 RKR. And uh, we managed to own it for about six weeks. Um, picked it up, loaded it up, went to Thunder Bay for five weeks for the wife to have cancer care. Brought it home, took it back for warranty repairs, told them they had till December to have it ready so we could go south for the winter. And I phoned December 7th and learned that it was stolen right out of their lot. That's incredible. Well, when you think it's 44 feet long, 18,000 pounds, 13 and a half feet high, that's kind of like sneaking an elephant into the theater and telling it can only have one seat. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. So I'm not sure what to make of it. And, um, the investigation has gone nowhere. Unfortunately, it was loaded with our personal contents as well. And uh, they assured us they had a secure compound and not to worry about it. Uh, we've since learned that's pretty much untrue. Yeah. I had a, a buddy who had, um, I think it was a 32-foot, just a tow behind. Yep. Stolen Bumper. right out of his driveway. It's happening. Actually, I talked to... Uh, Constable Connell uh, a couple days ago and he said it's rampant in Manitoba. He's with the RCMP. Um, 
And, you know, we're, we're still a trusting society. And we don't lock things, I guess, like we should. And I don't feel you should have to, but there's always somebody out there. I'm in the security business, so there's always somebody out there willing to take it from you because you worked hard for it and they don't want to. But I will say this, my next one will have uh, changed through the, the wheels and around the axle. It'll have a kingpin lock. Maybe they'll still steal it. But you know what? They're going to have to work for it next time. Yeah. This time they just backed up and hooked up to it. and They don't even know when. It, it could have went missing from November 7th to December 7th. They have no idea. That's crazy. So how do you not notice a 44-foot 40, 40, RV missing from your lot? Well, and it's the biggest one they've ever sold. It's the highest end one they've ever sold, and I'm not bragging about it. But we figured after 30 years of RVing, we're coming into retirement. We spend six to seven months in it right now. Yeah. And let's do this one last time and buy the unit we want to keep until we can't retire or travel anymore, RV anymore. So we laid it all on the line and bought the unit we wanted. And unfortunately, it didn't work out only, so well. You only had it for six <laughs> weeks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, oh, we used no. it a total of six weeks. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So. Well, hopefully they're able to... Uh, I mean, at this point, if they found it, would even want it back? Could no, be destroyed? I, or? I would not. Uh, no, the police figure, because of the value of it, it's already went to another province and gotten revinned. And all the contents, they can't figure out where they went because they actually have a crew who trolls uh, Facebook Marketplace. They troll Kijiji, everything. And then a lot of our stuff was very distinct. And uh, they've never seen it. And since it's went missing, I've been doing the same thing. And I have it down to eight searches across Canada. It takes me about an hour to search for seven different items. But which are unique. Which are, for... yeah, definitely unique to us. And uh, I've never seen one of the items come up on either Facebook or Kijiji. Really? But they could have went to a pawn shop. They could have been sold to friends. Who yeah, knows? Yeah. It, it could have went anywhere. And it could also be down in the States. They said that's not unheard of either. Really? So, yep. Well, I remember I went to the States and brought, uh, this is years and years ago, I brought a tent trailer um, and they wanted to see my ownership for it. Oh, they don't even ask anymore. Like we go to the States every year with it. I've never been asked to prove ownership. Really? Never. Huh. Um and I actually have a friend who is a RVer, and believe it or not, the dealership, when they bought their trailer, they sold two trailers that day, plated them. They put the wrong plates on the trailers. They'd mixed up who's got whose. Yeah. They went down to the States. They were down there for a month, came back, and the dealership phoned them, and the other guy noticed that he had the wrong plate. So a whole month down in the States with the wrong plate on the wrong it trailer. Never noticed. Never noticed. Nobody ever said anything. Nobody ever amazing called them in. So I don't know how good license plates are. <laughs> yeah. Well, my understanding was when you cross the border, they take pictures of all your plates. They run they, the plates. They're they looking do for as you go in. I don't know if they take one at the back. I've never noticed the flash on the trailer. Yeah. I don't know either. That's interesting. Yeah. I know they do on the front for sure. Every time we go. Um, Cause they, they're logging when you yes, go and yeah. I, Presumably when you come back, they must. They do, but it's always from the front. And uh, 
they know instantly because my truck's registered to the company. They know instantly it's a company truck, and quite often they'll ask why I'm using it. Right. Uh, like why are you taking the company truck? Yeah, to the states. So I've I've had to explain that a couple times, but I don't. Yeah, I honestly don't know about the trailer. That's something to ask them next time. Yeah, if they because well, you know that would be interesting. I mean, I'm assuming if you steal it, you're going to whack another plate on it. Right. But what are the chances that somebody was stupid enough to the dra- drag it across the border with the with the original plate? Oh, uh, because. How the the RCMP officer said is uh, because they don't know when it went missing even. Yeah. It could have went across the border the same day, three days later, a week later. There'd be no, um, what do they call it? Like no red it's, flag on it. Yeah, you know, it's a list that, like right now, if I, tra- if I search my VIN number right. online, yeah. it comes up as a stolen trailer. Okay. Um, but I had no idea until talking to the RCMP, talking to the OPP. It is so easy to reeve in a trailer. It is actually scary. So they could have had it ready to reeve in. They could have done all their homework ahead of time. It obviously had to be planned because this place does have a, um, a fence all the way around it. They do have security guards at night. However, apparently they sleep a lot. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I found that out too that was really disappointing and they didn't have any cameras so the the sad truth is they don't know if it went missing during the day or at night so yeah, it could have went anytime yeah been across the border revin sold whatever and we'll never know or it could just be sitting on somebody's acreage and they're using it as a guest cottage and then you'd never see it that's right. Yeah, it would just so, be parked forever. Yeah, and, and my own stupidity is I had a, a tracker in the other trailer, and just due to circumstances and picking it up only a week before we were going for the wife's cancer care, I only threw some of the stuff back in the trailer. And then, of course, when we were in Thunder Bay, we shopped quite a bit and added more to it that we wanted. I never put the tracker back in it. Didn't even think of it. Uh, you just don't expect that to happen to you yeah and me being in the security industry i actually protect people from that so i actually kind of feel negligent to myself yeah but you know maybe it's a story of the <laughs> shoemaker's children right yeah like, true <clears throat> you're looking after other people and then you're neglecting to look after yourself right true and it was just the the fact of the matter of time and i only had so much time to throw everything in there and get to thunder bay and I could have just thrown it in and placed it after, but you know what? Just didn't enter my mind. Well, that gives me an idea. Maybe I should put a tracker in the van. Well, they're a hot ticket item. Any RV is right now, according to the RCMP in Manitoba. I'm so be careful stunned. in Manitoba. Is well, what you're telling me. <laughs> I, I actually read up on BC too. Um, I'm a member now of all these stolen vehicle groups across Canada on Facebook, and I am actually stunned by how many. RVs are actually stolen, whether it's a bumper pull, a fifth wheel, doesn't seem to matter. And I don't know if these thieves have shopping lists when they go out or, or what, but in in the case of mine, you need a, a at least a one-ton dually to pull that thing or bigger. Yeah. So it had to be somebody who planned it and thought about it and worked yeah. out when they could go in and get it. 
And it's um, probably not their first. No, definitely not. And that's what the RCMP said. Uh, with all the ones that are going missing, there's another RV lot just down the, the highway from the one where mine was, and they've had two stolen from there. Wow. And I said, geez, it'd be nice if these people told you that, because then you'd know to protect your merchandise yourself. Um, the unfortunate reality is, is I did have a kingpin lock on my trailer and they asked me to take it off because they didn't want to have to have extra keys. Right. So I took it off and put it in the underbelly yeah. and left it there thinking it's in a secure lot. So, well, I remember, uh, I had a, a quad, like a Suzuki mm -hmm. 500, uh, King quad. <clears throat> and I dropped it off at the dealer for service. I had all kinds of problems with it, which apparently is very unusual on a Suzuki. Hmm. Uh, led me to sell it. But I dropped it off at the dealer, and they just had a spot outside their compound um, and said, you know, put it there. Put it there. And then when I parked it there, there was a sign that says, we are not responsible <laughs> for any of the... You know, and then the, the people at the desk said, I'll just leave the keys in it. And I, so I went back in, I go, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. That's just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like leave it in this spot with a sign. We're not responsible for any theft outside oh, of our my. yard. And then, uh, tell me to leave the keys in it. It's like, come on guys. You know, that's mind boggling. <clears throat> yeah. There's a lot of that kind of negligence that goes on at these dealers, right? They're oh, so yeah. used to, they have 50 things coming and going. They just park them wherever, leave the keys in them for convenience and Yep, that is so true. Um, I was a little disturbed because I did find out too that because our trailer was so unique uh, and they had never sold one of them, uh, they actually walked people through it while it was there and that, that actually did not bode well with me. Well, I guess and, not. And still doesn't because it was fully loaded with our personal goods. Well, either way, they don't own it. No, exactly. I was a little perturbed by that, so... That that is yet to be dealt with, but well, hopefully, hopefully you get some resolution, whether it be, yeah, you well, know, it's been months now, and it took, well, from December seventh until three weeks ago for insurance to actually uh, come to the table with a number, and three adjusters, multiple emails. It, it's just yeah, it's a, a back gong, and gong show. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And really zero support from the dealership, even though they have talked to us lots and stuff. There was really no support um, about our contents and stuff. So, wow. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. Well, but I'll keep I, my it fingers. hasn't dampened my feelings at all for RVing and everything has just put our plans back because uh, we missed going down to the States this winter. Yeah. Now we've missed this entire summer. And even by the time we order a new one, if I was even to order it today, it wouldn't even come until November. Yeah. Or maybe December because everything's so backlogged now. So we'll miss another winter. So you'd, you'd think it would dampen my spirit and, and tick me off. But you know what? I still love the RVing. I love meeting people. We travel all over Canada and the U.S. And uh, you can't take that away from me. I don't care what you do. It's yeah. just material goods. Yeah. We'll, we'll have them all again one day and... Yep, they're just Carry things on. at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking about going to the U.S., so something I've noticed just traveling up through here, I mean, I came from the Sioux, which is a border town. Yep. Um, Thunder Bay, kind of the same thing going on there. The travel um, 
to and from the states, despite the fact that the government has said they're really lifting the COVID. <laughs> you know, they're saying they're lifting the restrictions. The uh, the travel has reduced a lot, mm -hmm. and I could tell. Like when I went up that 105 uh, to Lac Seul, every resort flies American flags. In fact, yep. in Ear Falls, uh, they've got a little park with a fountain, and there's a, a you know one of those it's old a beautiful I, park. It is a really nice yeah. park. Um, of course, they've got one of those, what are they, CF-101s, those planes the Americans yeah. gave us for the Avro Arrow, which was a piece of junk. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> right? it's a good thing we traded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they've got, they've got one of those on a pedestal, and then they have a rocket that says USA. I know. I've never figured that one out. I, I think it's because they're oh. catering to the American tourists. Well, they are, and I used to be involved with a resort up there at Pearl Falls, and back in those days that was the early 80s back in those days the resort was packed packed full um we could have 105 people in the resort at a time and we usually had 110 right um when you take couples into it but not many fishermen brought their yeah, wives with them sure um and what percentage of those were americans would you say oh 100 percent. they were all americans every one of them we didn't have any canadians um, and the reality is, is a lot of those Americans, they'll work a second job just to come up to Canada to fish for seven days. Yeah. I truly admire those people because they are so engrossed in their hobby, their sport, that they're willing to sacrifice and work weekends, nights, whatever it takes so they can have their seven days up here fishing. Mm -hmm. And like you this year, we work with a lot of resorts. We know a lot of people personally. They are all hurting this year. Yeah. Um, and yet you'd think with the U.S. dollar being 30 cents on the dollar, they'd be up here in drones because they're making 30% on their money right off the bat. Right. So it's not costing them a whole lot to come up here. I don't know what's changed. I do know demographically the... Uh, Older boys that have been coming up for 20, 30, 40 years, they're dying off. The kids don't want to come up and do it, even though they used to come with dad. Uh, they want all the modern conveniences, and maybe now Starlink will help that out a little bit. Sure. But uh, I do know a lot of resorts that don't have Wi-Fi. They don't have outside communications. Your cell phone doesn't even work there. So people who need to stay connected or want to stay connected can't. Well, maybe it's oh. maybe it's a generational thing because I I think I appreciate not having the communication. <laughs> you know, like if you can take a week and your cell phone isn't blinging and yeah. whatever, then to me that's good. Like I've been in places where they'll rent you a satellite phone in yes. case there's a medical. Yeah, we do when we go up north. So, um, but I could definitely tell that the American tourism. And I think it's because of, like you said, probably demographic shifts, but also uh, the trouble. Like when I was trying to get a fuel pump for the van in Sault Ste. Marie, I talked to the gal at AutoZone and said, hey, you know, do you have somebody that would could run it across the border? She said, no. She said, Canada doesn't accept our vaccine cards. We have to register stuff, you know, 24 hours in advance. Yes. It, they've yeah. got a bunch of hurdles to jump through. Well, even the Arrive Can app. Uh, when we went down to Wisconsin four weeks ago, um, you still had to do the Arrive Can app, and I believe you still you have still do to. now, yeah, yeah. 
and there was a group of seven fishermen at the border, and I felt so sorry for them. They had no idea. They've been coming up to Canada for 30 plus years, have never had to do this arrive can. Now they're at the border. They haven't done it. Customs has given them a hard time. I don't know whatever happened with them, but I thought, you know what? Can't we make it easier? They're willing to come up here. They're willing to give tourist dollars. Help them out. Like, yeah. Don't make this impossible for them to come up here. Um, I even was frustrated by the Arrive Can app and downloading my vaccine documents and everything. And I asked the girl at Canada Customs, I said, well, did I do my forms right? Because I don't know. And once it's sent, it's sent. She said, well, you must have. She said, that's not my department. I don't care. <laughs> so somebody behind the scenes must be looking at these. Yeah, some and bureaucrat in an office in Ottawa or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't know where they are. Uh, probably a basement with no windows, but <laughs> that's only my opinion. Um, they, I guess if there's something improper or inappropriate on your your submittal, I guess they flag it and then they'll pull you aside. And that's what happened to these guys because they hadn't done the arrive can. They were all, all seven of them huddled over in the corner with uh, two customs officers that actually weren't being very polite. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so you can see why it discourages the American tourism, for right. sure. And you think these old boys had been coming up for 30 years, yeah. and now to, to be hung up like that at the border is just unthinkable, really. And they probably have still another, I would imagine, four-hour or better drive from the border to whatever resort they're staying at. Yeah, and who knows where so, they're coming from. Maybe they've been exactly. driving for 12 or 18 hours yeah. just to get to the border. Yeah, well, they had... Uh, Indiana plates on their trucks. So that's a fair way. So that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, Canada isn't very welcoming to, to tourists. And I was actually surprised when we went down to the States, we had our vaccines, we had everything ready. They never asked us a question. Not at all. Where are you headed to? What are you doing? Enjoy your trip. That was the basis of it. Like yeah. within a minute, I was across the border. Yeah. And coming back into Canada, well, I did purchase a lot of stuff in the States. That was the reason I went down. But um, even so, going in and paying my, my taxes and stuff on the purchases, even the questions at the initial checkpoint when you come up and you drive up to it, I was sitting there for a good three to four minutes. Whereas the U.S., I was through in under a minute, I think. I don't even think it was a minute. Yeah. Just asked where we're going, how long we're down for, and enjoy your stay. That was it. Yeah. <clears throat> no ask of vaccines, no ask of, have you been in contact with anybody with COVID in the last 80 years? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Canada is just, it's a beautiful country. I love living here. Don't get me wrong. But some of our rules are just backwards. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would tend to agree with you on that. Um. Just back to what we were saying about uh, how you've traveled across Canada mm -hmm. and now you live like 20 minutes north of Kenora sort of thing. Yeah. Um, what, what in your opinion would you say is like your favorite part about living, living up here as opposed to living from, you know, somewhere else in Canada? Oh, well, I've lived all in all over Western Canada and I've lived in cities 
Um, living out here, to me, me is peace and serenity. And even though I host all, all you RVers and stuff and have a great number, I thoroughly enjoy talking and meeting people from everywhere. But this is still my sanctuary. Uh, when I am forced to go to the cities now and stay for any length of time, right now, prime example, I would normally take my RV, stay at a campground. That keeps me sane. My anxiety doesn't go up, nothing like that. And I don't suffer from anxiety, but... When you put me in a city now, after living out here for so many years, it amps up your anxiety. I don't care who you are. Yeah. And we just had to go to Winnipeg for medical reasons, um, two and a half hours away, but we had to stay in a hotel for four days. After the second day, I wanted to come home and I told the wife, you know what, I'm willing to drive back and forth to Kenora. It's a uh, five hours round trip, but I don't want to stay here anymore. Well, she convinced me to stay, and I did, and we just didn't spend much time in the, the room or anything, but um, living out here in the country is just, well, it's God's country. It's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. There's, you can't not enjoy it. Well, I mean, like yesterday, I was walking down the road, and you were like, Jimmy, <laughs> look who's following you. Oh, and there's yeah. a <laughs> a little doe. Yeah. Uh, little doe just walking behind me, right? Yep. <laughs> No, and uh, they'll come up to you and they'll nudge your pocket because they think you got food for them. And they are wild. Um, I'm not sure that I like people feeding them, but everybody seems to, my wife included. Um, but they are wild animals. And then we got the turtles coming up right now and laying their eggs in the sand up here. And, that, and it's beautiful. And you know what? Sometimes you just stop and you watch it. Even though the turtle's not moving or anything, you know, it kind of calms you and brings you down to okay life doesn't have to be this busy yeah and after being business owners for 30 plus years and go 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 and seven days a week it, it's really beautiful now the last three years to be able to sit back and actually enjoy even sitting down to do something like this three years ago i would never have even thought of doing this yeah not a chance well it's nice to get uh, different perspectives and mine is much the same as yours. Like I came from living in a suburb, suburban, uh, kind of environment just outside right. of Toronto. And, uh, eventually that became too much for me. So I moved up into the country about uh, an hour and a half away uh, on a couple acres. And now I find when I go down to the city, I experience the same thing as you. Yep. It's like, uh, there's almost like a sensory overload. Yes. Uh, you know, you've got, and everybody drives like idiots and, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, uh, you just don't, it's not the same. Like you and I were sitting here, right? The breeze is blowing, the sun is shining. We're looking at pine trees and everything. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's a completely different vibe, right? That kind of gives you that Zen feel. It does. If if this is what it's like, I I can handle this all day long. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Okay, so if that's your favorite part about living up here, <laughs> yeah. what is what is something that, um, I don't want to say your least favorite part, but something that you think could need improvement? Oh, it's the lack of availability for anything. Like in the city, you can drive 20 minutes, half an hour, and pick up virtually anything you need. Well, here, I can't even get marine plywood. It's got to be ordered in. By the time it gets here, it's like $172 a sheet. 
Right. But if I drive to Winnipeg two and a half hours away, I can probably pick it up off the shelf for 72 bucks a sheet. Right. Um, things like that, the conveniences and the medical system here is try, try and try as hard as they, they may. And I applaud them very much because when I needed their help and the wife needed their help, they were there. But for regular appointments and everything, you're booking weeks in advance. Um, but like just to see your family doctor. Yeah. And that's if you can get a family doctor, but that's the same story anywhere in Ontario. Yeah. Um, I've heard it from many people traveling through here now. So that's not unique to us. It's just a frustrating factor of life. Yeah. Um, and if you're in the city, well, then you can go to the big healthcare providers and walk in and be looked after. But I think the biggest drawback is just the availability for things. Um, out here, a lot of times, Amazon's your friend. I'm not plugging Amazon. Yeah. No, no, uh, I use them too. I use uh, them too. You, you just, you look at it and, oh, I can get it in two or four days. But if I go to order it locally, it's four to eight weeks. Yeah. Well, summer's over by the time I get some of the stuff. So unfortunately you order it online. Yeah. Like you want to try to buy local, but whether it's supply chain issues or, or issues getting stuff over the border or whatever, yep. you can't ever seem to get what you need. No, right now it's definitely a difficult time. Um, I actually just emailed a, a company. They have three agents here. They have seven in Winnipeg. Not one of them has inventory. So I actually emailed the company and said, do you have a supply issue? And they said, no, our, our warehouse, they're out of BC, but they have a warehouse in Kitchener. And they said, no, our warehouse is fully loaded. So we don't understand why they won't order it for you. So here's what we'll do. You can order it through us and we will drop ship it to you from Kitchener. It's like, okay, so what's wrong with these companies? And I'm not, I'm not talking little companies. These are big home building centers. Right. Um, but wait a minute. So it's coming from Winnipeg. No, it'll actually, the product will come to me from Kitchener. Okay. Uh, but they have seven dealers in Winnipeg. They have three in Kenora. And not one of them will order the product for me. So I don't know if they have a minimum. I didn't get into specifics with the manufacturer. Maybe for retailers, they have a minimum that they have to order. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and it's hard to, I think it's hard to order a minimum <coughs> in a town where, like, I guess sort of your closest big city would be Kenora, say. Yep. But Kenora has a population of, I think the sign said 15,000. 15,500 uh, residents um, in the off season. In the summer with the lake residents, we apparently shoot up to over 90,000. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's, we're tourists here, um, big time with Lake of the Woods. Yeah. And it being international waters, it brings people from all over the world. Um, and then our next biggest city is Winnipeg, which is two and a half hours away. But even then, there's, their supply issues right now are horrible as well. Uh, although they do have more stock than here, there's still things you can't get, such as this product I'm looking for for my deck. Yeah. Um, and yet, three years ago, it was on the shelves here when I originally looked at it and everything. It just took me a little longer to get to that part of the project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that <laughs> this lumber price business, <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> 
<laughs> that's why it's taken me longer to get here. I just couldn't justify spending $140 on a sheet of three quarter inch plywood. Well, there's something, it's something strange because I was talking to a gentleman and he was a, uh, selective, he was a logger. Okay. Okay. And I think what he would do is he would pick up, I think it might've been wood for pulp, um, or maybe making like chip, uh, what would OSB? Yep. And he told me they're as busy as ever. Yep. And yet, you know, so we, I don't know necessarily if we manufacture the wood, but, uh, <laughs> actually there, there is three plants still in Northwestern Ontario manufacturing pulp paper and, uh, lumber. Um, I'll pause this. Um, and they still manufacture and, and the ironic thing is is uh, there's a mill in Ear Falls and they have a staging area in Vermilion Bay that has um, rail access and if you drive by there on any given day you see nothing but lifts of lumber yeah and I mean they're stacked eight to ten high yeah so they've got all kinds of supply of lumber but the uh, no, that was your phone. Do you want that, to deal no, with that? That's okay. Okay. Uh, no, uh, and and you know when you drive by there and you see all this lumber there, and then you go to the lumber yard here, and they have like thirty two by four by eight, and you think, okay, you must have more somewhere. I need to fifty. Oh no! Well, that won't be until next week or the week after. It's like really, like I can drive. 40 minutes down the road and there's a depot there um why can't you just buy from them but it's always amazed me when you're at a lumber yard around here and it doesn't matter if it's here or alberta or bc wherever even though there's logging and there's lumber in those provinces you'll see a truck here from fraser bc delivering two by fours yet there's two by four plants in Atacokan, four and a half hours away from here, but you'll see one of their trucks in Alberta or BC, and it just cracks yeah. me up. It's like, why? I don't. I've never understood that part of it, and that's got to add to the cost as well. But well, I saw it when uh, when I was building my place. Uh, I was paying two dollars, and I feel like it was two forty nine for an eighty nine or eight. What are the eighty seven and a half? Yeah, two by studs, fours. Yeah, studs. Now they're like seven or eight dollars, and that price has not come down. And most of the most of the wood that we're getting in southern Ontario is marked Irving, so that's coming from the east coast. That's got to be yeah, and uh, yeah. So now eight dollars for a two by four stud. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, um, and that therein lies the problem with finishing my house is. I'm Scottish. I just won't pay that. <laughs> I, I just can't get over it. Like, Well, I don't think any anybody right now who's deciding to do new build, you're in for a surprise. Actually, we have one of our customers. He counted on $40,000 extra building his cottage, and it's a big project. Now he has actually stopped his project. He's almost $100,000 over what he thought he would spend. Because everything came in so much more than when they just drew based the plans. on materials. Yep, what they, they do the plan. The building cost is still the same, right? But the material cost, like he said, even the tile, 
He said it went from $3.29 a square foot. I believe he told me it was five fifty-five a square foot right. now. And he said, you know what? I went ahead and I did it because I want my cottage finished. Well, now he's pulled the pin and it's at the blackout stage. The drywall's on, but it's not finished. Um, he is getting the, the trades in to do the labor part of things. But he says, I can't afford to buy any more material. Yeah. He says, I just can't. He said, even coming up with that extra money to keep the build going, he said, it about killed me financially. Yeah. So I don't know where it's going to go, and I don't know that our government's going to help us. And while you're traveling, look at the price of fuel. Yeah. I gassed up the day before yesterday. I almost choked. I had no idea diesel went up again. 236.9. So $2.37 a liter. Yeah. For for diesel. That's like, for anybody that would be listening in the States, that's like $10 a gallon. Yeah. Yeah. We're just shy of that. I think it's $9 and change a gallon when you convert it. Um, and yet I just went down to Wisconsin. Uh, I bought a piece of machinery that actually is made in Canada, but I can't buy here. Uh, oh, of course. By yeah. Massey Ferguson. So I went down there and bought it and uh, liberated it and brought it back. And I couldn't believe down there that people were complaining about their prices. And I'm thinking, okay, my truck cost me, it, it's a big truck, it, 358 bucks, $360, depending where I am on the tank, in Canada. Down there, I'm paying 230 to 260 yeah. Yeah, and it's like, what are you guys complaining about? Like, this is awesome, right? Um, unfortunately, you can't bring any back into Canada. Um, five gallons, I believe, they're allowed, but I didn't even do that. But but there's something about, but this is like a major cultural. I've traveled all down through New England and that, I've, and I've yeah. driven down to Florida, and there is definitely something about Canadians where I don't know if it's our polite you know everybody says oh canadians are so polite right or whatever yeah. but um i think that there is something where we're just willing to take it yes we're at a certain point in the states people start rioting people really start in arms yes. yeah start pushing their government to say listen and i mean it's getting to that point now down there yeah well and, and here i've heard and i don't know if it's going to happen that they're talking about dropping this carbon tax on the fuel for now. Uh, some provinces have suspended their tax. Yeah, Alberta apparently, it. it's, yeah. it's quite a I bit cheaper. I think there's a couple now. Um, well, I was talking to my son last night, and diesel there is $1.09 a liter. We're paying two thirty six here. Wow, and it, that's in Alberta? Yep, Edmonton. And the, the thing they don't realize is that, especially when it comes to diesel... That's what fuels all the transport trucks. Yes. That's what brings our materials. So if yeah. you double the transportation cost, that's going to have a significant impact on the price of the products. It does. We actually have a very good friend who has seven or eight trucks. I can't remember. And he's got four of them parked right now that are his long hauls. Yes. Because he says, you know what? On the price that we're charging per kilometer, he says, I'm actually losing money right now. So oh he took gosh. his long haul trucks off and he's doing his short hauls around town and stuff and, and from here to Dryden, say. But his long hauls that go across Canada, he's pulled them right off the road. Really? So, you know what? There's four trucks not hauling goods. 
Yeah, and anytime any big machinery isn't working, that's money you're losing. Yes. Well, fortunately for him, but his he's losing are, less money. Yeah, his <laughs> trucks are paid for, so right. he he doesn't have the monthly payments on him or anything like that. But yeah, he's not making the revenue, so he is losing that revenue. But if that but, revenue is costing you more to yeah to generate than than you're making off of it, it's hardly worth it. Well, that's an interesting observation, though, right? Like you know that something is wrong when it's cheaper to park your <laughs> to yeah. Park, it's cheaper to not operate your business than in its operate. capacity than to operate it. Yes. Yeah. There's something and, significantly wrong there. Well, and I read an article by the American Truckers Association, so it's U.S., and there are several companies down there have ended up going bankrupt lately. So you take um, those trucks. One company had 300 and some trucks on the road. You take all of a sudden, they were on the road yesterday hauling goods. Today they're bankrupt and sitting in the yard. So now you got 300 trucks off the road. And everybody says, oh, well, that's not a problem. Somebody will pick up the slack. Well, guess what? There isn't enough of them out there to pick the slack up. Right. And if you talk to any distribution center, they will tell you they are backlogged because they can't get drivers to haul their goods. Drivers don't want to haul the goods because they can't afford to haul them between their insurance costs, the fuel costs, everything. And, and there's, uh, in the States, lots of toll roads. Fortunately, in Canada, we haven't got that many. Um, so you start adding it all into the cost of operation. They just can't make a buck. Yeah. So why work? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, I, I don't understand a lot of what the government's imposing on us, but that's only my belief. So now you have Starlink. I do. And it works amazing. Phenomenal. Um, so this question is going to be a little bit kind of uh, out of what we're talking about, but is Elon Musk going to save us <laughs> with electric vehicles? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And actually, if you talk to anybody that's in the power business, like Hydro One or uh, Fortis Alberta, the grid can't even handle. If even every second or third house was the explanation I was given, wanted to have an electric vehicle, guess what? The grid in that portion of your town or city probably can't handle that. Right. Uh, the rural is even worse. Because they pull like 60 amps or something they're, when they're, they're charging, right? Uh, well, I've heard as high as 80, but I don't know if that's true because I don't even want to look at an electric car. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's like a weed eater with a battery. It just doesn't make sense in my mind. Well, it doesn't make sense for Canada. Like when you no. think about, sure, if you live in, uh, I mean, maybe these cities like Toronto or something like that, or you're in the States and... Like here's an here's an observation I've made. Okay, driving uh, this way, I've driven all down through the East Coast, and it's much the same. But uh, especially so, driving west across Ontario, right? You drive through vast stretches, like of nothing, of nothing, trees, trees, <laughs> hundreds, hundreds <laughs> of kilometers rocks, of yeah. trees. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you're running in an electric vehicle, something where I mean, my van, I carry a jerry can. Yep, just in I have case. One, usually, if I'm on the road for any length of time, because you never know. Yeah, I'll right? tell you a story though. Last year, when we were going to Thunder Bay for the wife's care, we stopped in this little town called Uppsala. All there is there basically is a couple little businesses, but there's this big gas station called XTR, 
and I'm not plugging them, but they, I love stopping there. They have some cool stuff. Uh, and I'm walking the dog. And I'm looking at this car sitting over. The Tesla stations were all empty, but they have another one there. It's called Bubbles Electric Charging Station. So there's this little car there. And I'm thinking, the couple are sitting over on the rocks there. I'm, I'm curious. I want to talk to them. Yeah. I wander over. They had been sitting there two hours already. And at the rate that thing was charging, he said they'd be at least another hour. He says they started out in BC with this electric car. The charging stations have added an extra day and a half to their travel plans because really? they have to sit and wait. Right. Hotels don't have, and they, they were hoteled in it, right? And they were, they were planning and going right to the other coast. Um, hotels don't have charging stations, so they have to charge it somewhere. And he said average is two hours. The cost is really minimal. I forget what it was, but it was ridiculously low. But he said the first thing he's doing when he gets back out west is getting rid of his electric car and buying a gasser. He yeah. said an electric car for a commuter car in a city, fantastic idea. Yeah. But he says, I'm a sales rep. I'm yeah. on the road. He said, this is not conducive to doing my job. <coughs> so he said... The first thing I'll do is when I get home, I will sell it and I will buy another gasser. And he says, unfortunately, this trip proved it to me. It's just not, we aren't ready for it. Yeah, it's not feasible at this and, point. Uh, he thought he would have, he charged in Kenora and he thought he would have enough electricity to make it to Thunder Bay. And it turns out with the hills and everything, I guess it draws more, which it only stands to reason, I guess. But he got to Uppsala and he was thinking... I might not make it to Thunder Bay. So you can't make it from Kenora to Thunder Bay with well, this, whatever electric car he was running. Whatever he was driving, I can't remember the badging on the car, to be honest. Um, but I was actually kind of stunned by his, his comments because he had paid a lot for that car. I forget. Sure. It was a lot more than a normal car. Yeah. Well, and the government removed a lot of the subsidies for that, right? I, I don't think he got any subsidies. And now I, I think he was from Alberta for some reason. I, I not sure, but, um, so I don't know. Are we ready for the electric revolution? I don't think so. Not yet. I know the grid's not ready for it. Um, and especially Northwestern Ontario here. Um, and yes, we are west of Sudbury. There is another part of Ontario that our government doesn't seem to acknowledge, but our hydro infrastructure here sucks. Um, yeah. We go through scheduled power outages every year in the spring and in the fall so they can actually adapt to manage to distribute the power needed for all the cottages that right. are coming in the summer. And it's like, that is just beyond pathetic. Uh, we had a Hydro One guy here when we did all the work on our house. He told me the infrastructure for out here the wires were supposed to be replaced over 20 years ago. Oh my gosh. They still haven't been replaced. So the only time Hydro One fixes something is they're a very reactive company. If it breaks, they'll fix it. Uh, I do see them now doing a lot of proactive stuff down on the highways. They're putting in all new poles that some of the poles have split and they're in holes. Yeah, and you can shape. see in certain parts they're all they have a list to them, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It makes the Eiffel Tower look like it's standing <laughs> straight. 
<laughs> yeah. But, but you're just starting to see that now. Right. Well, that should have been done all the way along. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not putting higher one down. But there's a dam north of us here, White Dog Dam. And, you know, there's several employees there. And you watch, I call it the Hydro One Parade. You watch them go to work in the morning or come home at night, going on the highway. They're all driving crew crab trucks. There's one guy in them. And right. you'll see a parade of six trucks in a row go by. Well, couldn't you guys like carpool? <laughs> and knock it down to two trucks? You yeah, go yeah. into the same place. You're coming back at the same time. Yeah. It only makes logical sense to me. But no, they don't. I don't know. So, yeah, they could cut back, I think, in a lot of ways. But really, that's peanuts in the grand scheme of Hydro One. But Yeah, but certainly improving the infrastructure um, and improving the availability of uh, electricity, especially to northern communities, should be a priority. I would think it would be. Well, our prime minister has promised all the northern reserves electricity. I think he should have honestly looked at a roadmap first. Yeah, because <laughs> a lot of the reserves up there uh, are running diesel generators, big yeah. monster ones, and to get hydro up to them, I couldn't even dream what it's going to cost, and yet he's promised it to him. So I don't know if it'll happen. Oh. I'd like to see it happen for the betterment of those communities. Of course, I don't. I don't see it happening anytime soon. Yeah. Oh. So, um. Talking about uh, Kenora, what do you know? What is the story of Kenora? Do you know much about it? Uh, like, why was it? Why was Kenora established? Originally, it was Rat Portage, and I'm not a hundred percent sure um, how Kenora started. But originally, it was Manitoba, and. Right downtown, one part was Manitoba, one part was Ontario. And this is only what I've been heard or told. And uh, I don't know how it came about to be Ontario. I, I honestly don't. I wish we were Manitoba because we don't exist at Toronto. Yeah. Um, they don't even know we're out here. Uh, whereas 90% of our cottagers here, I think, are from Manitoba now. I see a lot of Alberta and Manitoba mm -hmm. plates. Alberta is a lot of oil patch money here, and we're grateful to have them. Yeah. Uh, Manitoba, it's close, right? So to have a cottage two and a half hours away that you can escape to, that's fantastic for these people. And they thoroughly enjoy it, and they use it. Um, yeah, kind of an opportunity to get away. and Yeah. And yeah. certainly the landscape's a lot different than the prairies. Oh, definitely. And even different than Winnipeg. And Winnipeg has grown to such a size now and it's busy. And uh, to come here and just decompress over a weekend, I think a lot of them truly look forward to it every, every weekend all summer long. Yeah. That's Some fair. of them come down all winter as well, which is new in the last few years and seems to be growing. Okay, so uh, something else I wanted to ask you about, and I, I've just noticed this as I'm up in this area, is the water is extremely high. Like, I went into town to go see 
Husky the musky. <laughs> yeah. The, the fish with the paint job that doesn't look like the fish it's supposed to be. Correct. Yeah. He's more like Husky the pike, isn't he? Yeah. No, I don't even know. I, I, I've never seen a pike that even looks like that. I, I, I've never seen colors on a musky that look like that either. The sidewalk, it tells you, take this sidewalk under the bridge. The sidewalk is totally flooded. Oh, in McLeod Park, yeah. And I've seen lots of places where there's park benches and they're sitting in six inches of water. Mm -hmm. I know you have a point here on the lake where there's just trees <laughs> coming up out of the water. Yeah, and my point is now an island. Yeah. <laughs> so what, um, what's been going on? First of all, how high is the water, would you say, above normal? Well... This is where it gets a little conflicting. If I look at my shoreline and I look at where the water would normally be sitting, it's about a seven foot difference. However, if you look at the control board's charts, we're only like two feet different. I don't know huh. what to make of that. Um, they measure it differently than my eyes. I don't know. But right now I know my beach, which is normally five to six feet out of the water and into the water is now seven to eight feet under the water. Wow. Uh, those trees you see down there, Jimmy, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Two of them are five to six feet up on the beach and the one is right on the beach. And right now it's, you'd probably be well over your head to go and stand to beside get to the base of the tree. Well, and you see all the stuff that's drifted in. Yeah. There's somebody's dock and table laying down there now or sitting down there now. Yeah, I saw that. Somebody's dock was over there the other day. I see it's moved down now, uh, the shoreline, and I got to go pull all that stuff out. And I'm pretty sure I know whose dock this is with the table on it, and I'll go and put a note in his door because he's only home every three weeks or four weeks, I think, and tell him if he's looking for his dock. Yeah, well, I at, have it. At that marina uh, in town, so when I went over the Darlington Bridge, mm -hmm. I fished there, by the way. Mm. Um and then you go over the next bridge and there's a marina. Yeah. It's underwater right now. It's underwater. Yeah. The, there's people's boats tied to docks the, and you can't in the get middle to of the nowhere. dock. <laughs> the dock is literally out in the middle of the bay. Yeah. It's like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. And it's up to your, probably your knees if you were to walk there. We actually docked there for years. Uh, right now, you'd probably be up to your knees, maybe a little higher to get to your <laughs> To the, to the ramp that goes to your dock that's mm -hmm. floating. Um, yeah. it, it, this is only the second time I've lived here since 88. This is only the second time I've seen it this high. Apparently there was a record set in 1954 and we are like within two inches of hitting that. So, wow. and in that one, I was devastating. Uh, the one we had, I can't remember now if it was seven or eight years ago, maybe nine. Um, it was devastating to a lot of businesses. Uh, some of the marinas here ended up losing the entire summer revenue and that's the only time they're open. Yeah, so that right. was devastating. Uh, I happened to notice last night when I took the wife to town to grocery shop that there's a restaurant there called the Boathouse that we love going to. Um, it looks like the water's lapping at the floor of it now. Oh my gosh. And the old building that was there. They actually tore it down because in the last flood, it got flooded. They built this one up, I thought I heard, two feet higher than normal, or the old one. 
And now I see the water's lapping, looks like at the floor of it. And it's it's a high-end restaurant. It's really nice. Yeah, Prices are great, but you just go in there and you feel like you're in the Ritz. It's actually yeah. pretty awesome. And the food's great. So I'm not sure if he's even open now. He wasn't last night when we went by, which I thought was odd. But maybe the water shut him down too. Um, even in town, the Ford dealership, Dingwall Ford, even though they aren't near the lake... The water table's up so high that it's coming up through the ground and their whole parking lot's I see flooded. that a lot too. Just yeah. big puddles. Just oh, yeah. any low-lying land is yeah. just full of water. Superior Propane, uh, K-Sports, the Dodge dealer, they all have water. Um, I, I did kind of get a kick out of last night at the A&W. There's a Tesla charging station there talking about electric vehicles. And it's all shut down. They've had to kill the power to it and everything. It's, it's a good water. It's a good foot in the water right now. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, go plug your car into that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. stand back. See how electrifying your ride is. Yeah. Uh, I just saw the humor in it anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh, sad, but I saw the humor there. So what's, what's the cause? I mean, so at mm. my place... Um, I don't think the water is particularly high. The The lakes around me, they're on the Trans-Severn Waterway. Okay. So there's a lot of locks and dams and lots of ways to let the water out. Right. But we have had a lot of crazy storms. I we, mean, this, this spring has been... We've had more than our share of storms here. And uh, I think they seem to average about 80 millimeters. And that can come down in an hour. And that's hard for them to deal with. Now, but are we talking snow or no, rain? No, that was rain this, this since summer started. What started all this was normally this area, we get about four and a half feet of snow. This year, we had just shy of 12 feet of snow. Wow. The control boards apparently had the option to open the dams sooner. They opted not to, to keep generating power. So they restricted the flow out. Um, these are all monitored remotely now. There aren't humans here. Yes. And there is a group in Fort Francis now that's gotten together. And they're very upset by this because there's so many businesses can't even open this year or have had to cancel their guests or whatever. Uh, so monetary wise, it's devastating to them. When a lot of it could have been adverted or at least started sooner so the damage would be less. Um, like for us to see this, si this size of, of a rise in the water is pretty much unforgivable to, to me. And that's only my personal opinion. But now you have to deal, there. there is a board and it deals with the US and Canada because our water comes from the US and it's dammed comes into Canada, it's dammed, comes into this part of Canada, it's dammed again. There's seven dams on the Winnipeg River alone, two dams in Kenora. Well, if you have an outflow, and, and this is easy layman terms, because that's the way I am, and this is how it was explained to me. The U.S. is dumping six inches into us. Rainy Lake, which dumps into Lake of the Woods, can only do an output of four inches. Lake of the Woods can only dump into the Winnipeg River two inches. Well, it doesn't take a mathematician to yeah. figure out there's a deficit there. Sure. So if you go online and you look at Rainier, Minnesota, which is actually right across 
the, the river from Fort Francis, Ontario, it is devastated. There doesn't seem to be much news about uh, um, Fort Francis itself, other than on the local Facebook groups and, and in some of the local news. But the Rainier, Minnesota side has hit national news and stuff like that. I don't know why it was allowed to happen this year. It, it could have been not prevented. No matter what, this, we would have flooded this year. But it could have been minimized, I think, in my opinion, looking at the statistics, looking at everything. And now you look at the Lake of the Woods Control Board's modeling. We aren't even going to see our water go down until like the third week of August. It's going to start to drop. So we're going to be like this all summer now. Yeah. Well, now I have no enjoyment of my beach, which isn't a big deal when you think of these people who have lost boathouses, lost dogs. Well, yeah, the property damage. Oh, property damage alone. There's places up here on Black Sturgeon that the cottages are going to end up having to be bulldozed oh because gosh. they're they're in and out. You can't habitate or live in them, whatever. My brain just went blank on that word, sorry. Um, they're, they're in the water like two, three, four feet up the walls. And this is supposedly a safe zone. Yeah. And they were told they could build there by the city. Yeah. So they built there. And now you find out too, and this is the devastating part, you don't have insurance for this. Oh. So when you see some of these people's stories, it just breaks your heart. Sure. And, you know, yeah, there's GoFundMe, there's everything, but you know what? These people are not going to use their properties this year. Some of them are year-round residents that live and work here, have had to be staying in hotels or campgrounds or whatever for this entire summer. And then who knows if they can even move back into their house in the fall. Yeah, so that's like another whammy on the local economy, oh, right? Huge, huge hit. Um, and there's no support from the government on this, which is really frustrating to a lot of people yeah so we'll see where it goes um it's early yet but well hopefully this is kind of a one of it's not i know a lot of people keep saying like these storms that we're having and the mixed up weather is the result of global climate change i don't know i don't really even know uh, where yeah. i stand on that but i just hope that these are one of sort of events you know one in a 20 yeah. year one in a 50 year sort of thing happening and um i agree i mean because the devastation like i said even in town the side there's sidewalks underwater yep yeah there's areas you just can't even go to now unless you have good hip waders yeah <laughs> <laughs> go, go for a walk downtown and wear your hip waders <laughs> yeah exactly um and even the last time it flooded it wasn't this high so and from that flood we learned and a lot of places were built higher and like the boathouse the restaurant, you know, going two feet higher, you would think it'll never touch me. Right. And now he, like yeah, I say, it looks like now it looks like it's lopping out his floor. Yeah. Now his boathouse is a boat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you see pictures on social media and stuff of people in their docks and their boats floating down the lake. Um, that's a little hard to take. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. We'll see where it goes, but. Okay, now I got a lighter a lighter question for you. Fire away. This uh, <laughs> this one um, 
Okay, everybody down where I'm from, we call a plaid jacket. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know where this is going, uh, right? Yeah, a yeah. Kenora dinner jacket. Yeah. Now, I've walked around in town, and I did not see any. <laughs> <laughs> but we hold the Guinness World Record. And Come on, no. For so, that one day. Is there any truth to that? And what... <laughs> Believe it or not, in the fall, you'll see a ton of people wearing them. I probably have, oh, it's not in here, but I I think I have like six of them. (laughs) Honest to God. Because in the fall and in the spring, that's what you need to to wander around out here. And uh, something warm. (laughs) Exactly. It breaks the wind. And if it gets snowed on a little or rained on a little, you're still good. Um, But yeah, no, in the summer, you very few people will wear them. So, uh, do they call them that here jackets. too? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, that's where we set the record. Okay, so it is in the Guinness Book of World Records. There for, is. Yep. What the most plaid worn coats? at one time? <laughs> yeah, was in Kenora, Ontario. Oh, you bet. So there's the claim to fame. They should have a right beside a Husky the Musky. They should, <laughs> <laughs> should have a plaid jacket. A big plaid jacket. <laughs> Maybe they could have put one on Husky the Musky it, yeah, and covered been... up those nice stripes. There's <laughs> <laughs> a thought. That's funny. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, never mind that we're known like Mike Richards, NHL hockey player, and a few other famous ones here. Uh, no, no, we're known for plaid jackets. Well, <laughs> it's an overly simplistic view, right, of a, a, mm-hmm. a community. And I never really knew, I didn't know that there was a Guinness record held for that. I just always, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just always thought, like, why is it a, why do they call it a Kenora Dinner, dinner jacket, jacket yeah. you know. That's why. So, okay. Well, that's answered. <coughs> Pardon me. Okay, so um, now living up here in the bush, maybe you could tell me sort of one of the scariest wildlife stories. I know you were talking about. Oh, yeah. The scariest one I ever had was a lynx. And he hung around here and hung around here. And I know people listening can't visualize, but... 150 feet away or so there's a line of trees that were planted many many years ago by somebody and that lynx would sit in there and watch me work in my driveway here right in front of my garage and i'd see him from time to time and i'm sure there were times he was there i didn't see him then one day i turned around and he was at the telephone pole there that has my yard light on it so that's only about Oh, a hundred feet away. Not even. And he was crouched as if he was going to either run or pounce. And I thought, well, the only food around here is me. So I was getting a little nervous. I called the M&R, talked okay, to that's, them. Okay, first of all, that's, that's a bit scary. <laughs> it is nerve-wracking, actually. Um, and for any, silent. For anybody who's not familiar with... Like, what is a lynx, exactly? It's part of the cat family. It uh, falls into lynx, bobcat. Uh, they're predators, and they kill big animals, deer, moose. Those. And they run, what, anywhere oh, between? They move like the wind. Yeah. Um, I've heard, I don't know if it's true, but they can run up to 60 miles per hour. Oh, my gosh. So he could make it from that pole to, to me in no time. And, and that one unnerved me. Uh, I don't know how long he was sitting there. I just turned around and saw him, and it was like, oh, that's not good. 
So I did call the M&R, told them about it, and I thought, well, maybe there's something wrong with this cat because we've never had them. We've seen them go through the yard. You'll see the, the prints in the snow in the winter and stuff, but I've never had one. I felt like I was being hunted. Because they're shy, generally. Normally, they'll stay away from humans. They, they will. And that's why I kind of think there might have been something wrong with this guy. And, and to further that thought is normally they'll prey on the weak and they'll, they'll call the weak from a herd of deer or, or whatever they're hunting. Yeah. We had a doe and a fawn down at the neighbors. And for whatever reason, this lynx jumped on the doe when I would think she would have taken the fawn or the lynx would have taken the fawn. And it jumped on the doe's back and had her claws into her neck. And she actually ran into the side of my enclosed trailer and knocked the links off. And by then, we had uh, our son here and our niece here, and we all have dogs. And they were out on our septic field going absolutely ballistic at this lynx. And I guess he thought he must have been very hungry, had to have been. And uh, he... Uh, went to go after the dogs and fortunately my son and I went between the lynx and the dogs and he didn't want to tangle with us or felt threatened I'm not sure he just kind of slinked back but there too he only went back into the tree line on that side of the house we grabbed the dogs put them in the house and fortunately for me I've just never seen him again so I don't know where he went in the end but it unnerves you definitely um, this year we had a big black bear come in and right by where Rita's car is parked there. He looked right at me, stood up on his hinds, and was not afraid of me one bit. Really? Yeah, and he was not a small bear. I'd say he's 400 pounds plus. So what would the lynx have weighed? I'd probably put him around 125, maybe 140 pounds. He was big. So no question about it. He could take a man down. Oh, without question. They'll take a big deer down or... Uh, I've heard they'll take a moose down. I've never seen a moose killed by one, but like, don't I've, they I've, don't they kind of sneak up from you on you from behind and then they do? They're predatory. Get you by the back of the neck, sort of thing. They are very predatory, um, and they're excellent hunters. The other one we deal with here is timber wolves, um, and you almost never see them in the summer, but in the winter you do because they're prowling more. Yeah. And they seem to have a bigger area they'll go then, I guess, in the winter. Um, I'm not exactly sure what their territory is, but timber wolves can be equally as frightening. Oh, uh, sure. And they travel in a pack, too. They do. We've had three and four in the yard here. Last winter, we had a deer kill right out in the lake in front of the place. And there was a good 25, 30 of them out there. So I don't know where they come from because they were only there to eat the deer. And once the deer was removed, they went away and we never saw them the rest of the winter. Oh, that's good. So I don't know how they move or how they transfer locations. I kind of thought they were territorial, but... Yeah, apparently they have a, a large range. Maybe. We have uh, coyotes or coyotes, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call them, down where I live. And... Um, from what I'm hearing is they don't really like to coexist no. with wolves. No. Um, so where you get coyotes, you generally don't get wolves. I've heard that as well. But then there's also coyote wolves where there's some oh, kind of hybrid. That is. It's a hybrid. 
Oh, I guess they do a mate. They're wild, right? So, but luckily, uh, luckily, your dogs escaped. They did from yeah. the cat. Yeah, um, the deer escaped, not unscathed, but no, it was scarred up for quite a while because they hang around our yard, as you've seen. Yeah, um, and she was here for years after. So, so she survived. Yeah, she did. Well, I'm happy to hear that. That's pretty scary. <laughs> it is, and it can be. And sometimes it startles you. I've been walking over to the other yard where all my uh, trailers and stuff are parked, and I've almost walked smack into a bear without seeing it. Really? And all of a sudden, it'll grunt or lift its head, and it's like, oh, hi, how you doing? I'm Odie. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do? Do you back up? Do you try no, to I usually just stand there and... Lots of times they're just as afraid of you as you are of them, and they'll grunt and run away. Yeah, uh, that's why with the the lynx it was a, a scary thing because I felt I was being hunted. Yeah, and that was what I perceived it to be. Um, there were times where Rita brought me out a coffee here, and she'd say, "Well, that lynx is watching you again." I hadn't even seen it, but her coming from the house, different angle, different perspective, she saw it. So it's just sitting in the tree line. Yep. Watching. Watching me. So that did creep me out. That is creepy. Yeah. But uh, the bears, they usually just pass through. Uh, the timber wolves, they'll hang around if there's food. Um, like I said, they had a kill out in the lake here. But once they killed it and ate it, they seemed to move on. We didn't see them. So there's some things to wildlife I'll never understand. Yeah. But it's just you coexist with them. This is their territory. This isn't ours. Sure. We invaded it, so yeah. you know what? I got to respect them and give them their space, and trust me, I will when it comes to a bear, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, something I saw really interesting on my way uh, up here was there was a dead deer on the side of the highway, and there was a bald eagle. And, oh, yeah. And they stand, I don't know, what, three feet tall, maybe taller? Oh, yeah, and they'll have a six-foot wingspan. They're a beautiful, yeah, beautiful, beautiful bird. But uh, they're scavengers. Yes, and he was literally sitting on, I wanted to stop and take a picture, but the road is so windy, I, I didn't feel comfortable stopping. Well, no shoulders and, here right. either, so. And he was literally just sitting on top of this deer carcass, just pulling out whatever he wanted. And I was like, wow, I've yeah. never, I've never seen that. I've seen them flying, you know, up north and that, but uh, I've never seen one on the side of the road. Yeah, no, we'll see five, six on a, a carcass and uh Turkey vultures, which is yeah only new in the last few years here. We've never really had them. Okay, so we have them all over the place. I've heard that, um, but here we don't see them often at all. And the last few years, we've been seeing more and more uh, of the vultures as well. So you'll see the vultures and the uh, uh, eagles and the ravens and crows all feasting on one carcass. Really? Yeah, and yeah. they just cooperate with each other? Well, not really. They'll fight, but <laughs> they'll fly away and then come back. And... Oh, wow. That's okay, Don's showing me a picture of a black bear There's here. my plow truck. There's wow, the bear. Wow, that's quite a big bear. I figure he was close to 400 pounds. Yeah. And he wasn't afraid of me whatsoever. I now, I wonder if he's humidized. Some will be around, but here... For this locale, like there's no garbage dumps around here or anything for them for easy pickings. When we have a bear like that come through here, usually I'll see him once and I won't see him the rest of the the year. Okay. Uh, the only time I do see and they do seem to come back 
is when our one crab apple tree is in full bloom and has all the apples on it. Yeah. They'll get up in there and destroy that tree. <laughs> yeah. Um, like a blueberry patch. Kind oh of thing. yeah. Same thing. Um, and that's the only time then they'll come back for two, three days and then they're gone. Just don't come back. So that's nice. I mean, so, as long as they're not causing any trouble, they're not like a nuisance no, animal. No, not at all. Um, if an animal is a nuisance animal and you call the MNR because you're so far sort of north, do they come out? No. 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 They tell you to deal with it. Huh. Um, and they've told me on more than one occasion that if I feel threatened, I'm, I'm free to shoot it. Yeah. Um, but luckily you haven't had to go down no, that No, I haven't had to had yet. Had to go down that route. Uh, I've been tempted a couple times. Sure. Only because things do become a nuisance like yeah. that lynx yeah um but no i've been lucky enough not to well i'm happy to hear that everybody survived <laughs> unscathed so yeah definitely yeah you okay. never know what tomorrow will bring though yeah <laughs> okay so my last question for you don now this sure. is about uh road tripping so when you're on a road trip camper or whatever um if you had to choose like one song or one album i ask this to everybody what what would it be? <laughs> what would it be? Oh, my go-to when I'm driving and I'm tired and my wife is famous for sleeping. I'll put on ACDC back in black. And <laughs> <laughs> that, that just seems to rejuvenate me and wake me up. It'll wake you up for yeah, sure. Yeah, and I just crank it and she'll sleep through That's it. It's the, just amazing. What? You can't, oh, how can you sleep does. through ACDC? <laughs> she does. Um, yeah, no, that's my go-to. That's and a good one. Anything ACDC that's upbeat, I'll, I'll throw in there and crank up and go. And boy, before you know it, the miles are gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for sure. All right. Well, thank you very much, sir. Thank oh, you for the hospitality. Welcome, Anytime. And uh, I really enjoyed my stay here. So I'll, I'm definitely going to come back and... Uh, come back and bug you some more <laughs> not a problem yeah you do have to drive by here to get back home so. that's right yeah that's the one thing about Kenora. it's a bottleneck you don't have an option you got to drive through Kenora to get anywhere uh, well west at, or le east. at least i've been able to maintain a, a fairly good <laughs> reputation i haven't burned any bridges yet oh no no <laughs> No, we even had fun one night. So. Yeah, that's right. Well, we won't talk about. No, we won't talk no, about that. No. We'll leave that off the yeah. <laughs> off the record. Definitely. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Don. Uh, you're very welcome, Jimmy, and safe travels to you. Thank you. Okay. Well, that was our conversation. I'd like to thank Don and his wife, Rita, for the great time and hospitality, and I hope that you all enjoyed listening to it. Again, I'd like to remind you all to be kind to one another and keep on road trekking. Bye.